They heard he was coming. The word had gotten out. A great group of people started gathering. We read about it in all four Gospels. This morning I want you to turn to page number 1065 in the Bible, in the book rack in front of you, or the 12th chapter of the Gospel of John. The 12th chapter, the entire chapter is packed with incredible events happening starting today. 12th verse reads, the next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard, the word had gotten out, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna. Which is a Hebrew expression meaning save, save, save. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. He rode triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem. People clapping and shouting. He stopped at one point and prayed and began to cry. Looking over Jerusalem. How often I would have gathered you together as a hen does gather her chicks, but you would not. We rode on into the city of Jerusalem and then got off of the donkey. And a remarkable series of events occurred and we're not sure of the sequence. But we do know that he walked in to the temple. And he began to overthrow the tables of the money changers in the temple. He began to drive the people out driving them out of the temple, saying, you have turned this place of worship into a den of thieves. Listen to it. He said in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. All nations. What does it take to make a nation? It takes men. It takes women. It takes children. It takes well people. It takes sick people. It takes all kinds of people. A house of prayer for all nations. Circle that word all because that's a subject of what I'm going to try to speak about for a few moments this morning. The incredible power of the word all. A small word. Three letters full of incredible meaning for all of us. He overturned the temples and said, or in the, the tables in the temple and said, you've turned this place into a den of thieves. My father's house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, all mankind. Now in that temple were segregated areas. It was a very large area geographically. Much, much larger than this sanctuary here. It was acres and acres and acres. And they had a wall around, an outside wall around all of it. And that was the wall beyond which no Gentile could ever go. That's called the outer court. There was a wall about uh, three or four feet high and there were entrances along the way. And on those entrances you would read, any Gentile that walks past this point will do so at the price of his life. 
Only the Gentiles could stay out there. They couldn't come in. You come inside, you have the court of the women. The Jewish women could come in. You had uh, the inner court. You had the court for the men, uh, the Jewish men. And uh, then you had a court for the priests. And then inside the temple, you had a holy place where they had the elements of the sacrifice. And then the holy of holies, which contained at the tabernacle time, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which is the holy place, the holiest place in, in Israel's history. So that was the configuration. Areas of limitation and seclusion. Do you remember Paul much wrote much later when he said Jesus came and tore down that wall of partition. He came and tore down anything that keeps people from coming into the presence of God. But they were segregated. Were cut out of coming in and being a part of it. So there were some Greeks standing over there. And we read in this 12th chapter of the Gospel of John. The 20th verse, now there were Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. Of course, they couldn't come in. They were standing around out there. They came to Philip who said from Bethsaida in Galilee. Now, they may have come to Philip because he had a Greek name. Maybe they felt they'd have some sort of uh, companionship with him. They came to him. They came to Philip who was from Bethsaida with a request, sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And I'll tell you in a moment, Jesus responds. I want to stop there and underline the request of those Greeks. We would like to see Jesus. I believe down deep inside every human heart, there is, if not verbally expressed openly, a private need in every heart that voices the same words those Greeks spoke. We'd like to see Jesus. We'd like to see what he's really like. We'd like to see Jesus. Maybe somebody here today, like one of those Greeks, has come here. We want you to feel included, for you certainly are. You'd like to see Jesus. Well, I've never seen him in person. Maybe some of you have. I don't question that at all. I've never seen him in person. But I've seen him in persons. I've seen touches of his love and his grace and his forgiveness. And many, many, many people, many of them in this room right now. Many in my life who have been wonderful, worthy representatives of Jesus. And I was introduced to him because of some people who embodied him in their lives. Do you remember that song, Let Others See Jesus in You? Let others see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus in me. Well, that's the way we see him now. He comes to us through individuals. These Greeks, sir, we would see Jesus. Now that's not all in the crowd. If you turn to the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, let me read you in the 14th verse and following. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple. See, he had entered the temple, 12th verse, and had and driven out those who were buying and selling there, overturned the table. Same thing that we read in Mark a moment ago. 
My house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna, save, save, Hosanna to the son of David. Those religious leaders were indignant. Did you hear what those children are saying? They asked him. Do you hear what those children are saying? Yes, Jesus said. Yes, I hear what they're saying. Have you never read, and he quotes a psalm, have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have raised up praise? Children were part of that group and their ebullience and their excitement praising Jesus. I want you to see the composition of this crowd. Jewish disciples, Jesus disciples, Jewish people, Greeks, children, lame people, blind people. Now you see, they were considered sinners. If you had any kind of physical imperfection that you were looked upon, you would have been looked upon by the religious leaders of those days as being under some kind of curse. You'd sinned or your parents had sinned or something and that's the reason you're crippled. That's the reason you're blind. All of those things. So you wouldn't be able to come inside either. So here he is walking over there. Obviously, he had to go to where they were. He went over there to that wall of partition and he reached out and touched these people who were lame, those who were blind, those outsiders, those Greeks. And then an incredible thing, an incredible thing happened. Here, all of these people, notice the composition of this crowd. And, And when the Greeks said, Sir, we would see Jesus. And they told Jesus what he said. Jesus literally exploded with enthusiasm. He just goes into a moment of unbelievable ecstasy, verbal ecstasy. And what he says is, Jesus replied, and he did not say this in some dull kind of monotone. He said, the hour has come. The hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Suddenly, he saw the universality of his message taking shape already in those Greeks, in those lame people, in those blind people, in those children. He saw the universality of his message taking shape and he saw it's going to break outside of the Judaism that it has been encased. It's going to break outside of that legalism that restricts and confines and limits. It's going to break out in grace to the whole world. And he just exulted in it. Jesus said, 30th verse, this voice for your benefit was, was, was for your benefit, not mine, for God had spoken verbally, openly. Now is the time for judgment on this world, he says. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw, here's that word again, all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. All men will be drawn to me. Ernest Hemingway tells a story. He was in Spain and he tells a story of a man who put an ad in the newspaper in Madrid and the ad said, Paco, 
Meet me at the Montana Hotel at noon Wednesday. Paco, all is forgiven. Signed, Papa. At 11.30 on Wednesday, they had to call the police because there were so many people outside the Montana Hotel. Had to redirect the traffic. Over 800 young men named Paco showed up. They'd read the ad. Paco, meet me, meet me at the Montana Hotel. All is forgiven. Signed, Papa. Paco, here's God's newspaper, good newspaper. Paco, meet Jesus, not at the Montana Hotel in Madrid, but meet Jesus at the cross, for all is forgiven. Signed, your divine Papa. The invitation is for everybody, all mankind. And that word all magnificent, marvelous, how inclusive is it, it is, how much a part of our history it is. You remember that incredible phrase from the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All men. And then in one of the greatest speeches ever made by what I believe to be the greatest American that ever lived, Abraham Lincoln, in his Gettysburg Address said four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Where did they get that idea? What was the seedbed of that concept in their minds? The framers of the Declaration of Independence, the president who spoke at Gettysburg, where did that idea emanate from? I'll tell you where it came from. It was first lived out and spoken out on the hills of Galilee and Judea by a carpenter from Nazareth who not only with his lips but with his life said, I have come for all mankind, all mankind. Now am I glorified, he said. Doesn't that sound incongruous, inconsistent, contradictory to talk about the cross as being glorious? He says here, I glory in this. The Son of Man is to be glorified, glorified on a cross. Let me ask you, what is the greatest demonstration of the glory of God? I think our first thought, mine would be, our first thought would be the glory of creation, the incredible ability that God had to let universes drip from his fingertips and speak worlds into existence. 
That's not the demonstration of his glory, his greatest glory. He says his greatest glory was in the depths of sacrifice which he suffered to save us. He gloried in redemption for you and me, for you and I. And this is the reason that we can say we glory in the cross of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Oh, America has a long way to go yet in living up to our own ideals, but don't all of us Christians have the same, have the same problem? We've seen some marvelous developments in American history, legally and sometimes personally, in terms of racial discrimination. Unfortunately, it's still with us. Racial bigotry. We're all part of this family here. And the law is there and it needs to be there. But better than that, it needs to become a law and a principle in our hearts and in our lives to love one another. We've seen great progress in racial relations in America, but we still have a long way to go. Women, women were discriminated against. How long was it before they were even allowed to vote? And I think it is still despicable that women doing the same job as men are not paid the same salary. That's wrong. And children, children, it's inconceivable to me that a nation which is religious, if not Christian, could deny millions of children health care. I can't understand that. Fortunately, there's some legislation, CHIP, Children's Hospital Insurance Plan, in our state legislature. It's just impossible how I can accept, I cannot accept the fact that in this land of affluence and prosperity and medical expertise, that a single child would be denied medical help because of the low income of his or her family. That must change. That must change. All people, let's live it out. And social relationships, personal relationships, church relationships, the incredible power, the inclusive power of the word all. Well, the Apostle Paul was not there that day. But I believe he was looking back at that day when he wrote in the book of Galatians, Picturing himself there at the foot of the cross. In the second chapter and the 20th verse, he writes, He loved me and gave himself for me. He loved you and loves you and gave himself to you. And from that cross, he said, all is forgiven. All of it. Signed, your divine papa. Will you meet him at the cross this morning? Will you meet him in trust and faith? He who laid down his life for you to give you life. He who walks outside to speak to you in these moments, wherever you might be up and down these aisles to invite you 
to trust him. You would see Jesus, he would see you and does and invite you to meet him, trust him. I'll be here to welcome you and to share with whatever decision God impresses you to make, to accept Christ as your savior or to come be a part of his church. Listen to me. Do you know what Jesus said? The Bible says he loved the church and gave himself for it. Jesus loved the church. It's the only institution he created. The local church. He loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, we ought to love the church and give ourselves to it. Whatever he loved, we should love. And I believe you would want to do that. I'm sure you will want to do that. Wherever you're coming from, whatever denomination or no denomination at all, to come accepting Christ as your Savior, or to come say, I want to be a member of Trinity Baptist Church, meet us here at the cross. We'll stand and sing. Respectfully, no one will leave unless it's an emergency. Because some people are in an emergency situation right now, and they need to see Jesus and need to trust him. Let's stand and sing together.